The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Pure. The Pure app lets awesome people have casual sex tonight. Download Pure on Google Play or the App Store. Pure, the hookup app that says it's a hookup app. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that believes therapy should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. A Talkspace therapist can help put you on the path to a happier life. For a special offer for my listeners, visit Talkspace.com slash Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. What's up, you bit-itchers, ass-scratchers, and pause-players? This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Oh, I am recording uh, to, to you right now as I am stranded at a rest stop in who knows where the fuck Pennsylvania, because uh, your, your lovely host here is a fucking moron. Yeah. I started my drive, uh, you know, I did the great love debate uh, with Brian Howie and a wonderful panel of people, had a fun time, then I started my drive out to Mishawaka, Indiana, did a couple hours or so, pulled over in a rest stop, got some shut-eye, I wake up freezing cold, I, I put on a hoodie, and I turn the engine on to put on the heat, thinking, oh, well, if I turn the engine on... The battery won't die if I just turn the heat on. And then I go back to sleep. And I forget, oh yeah, the only, battery dying is not the only problem you can have. You can also, who's going to guess it? Yeah, run out of gas. Woke up, car won't start, freaked out, realized I don't have gas. I'm waiting for AAA to come. Give me some nice delivery. Shout out to the AAA folks. But I'm just chilling at a rest stop. So if you hear uh, engine noises, truck things... Uh, a couple about to have a divorce that's kind of outside of my recording control right now. This week, we've got the return of a guest, okay? I, I like having guests come back from time to time. If you all remember Dr. Sarah from a couple years ago, yeah, she's an, she's an old episode. She's around like December 2014 from the first year of this podcast. Yes, Dr. Sarah is back talking herpes, talking my dead grandma. I'll fill you more in on that in a bit. But first, show dates, people. Show dates on the day that you're hearing this, which for me is tomorrow. Uh, Medina, Ohio. I am at Toth's Place at 8.30. Come on out. That should be a fun show. Please make this uh, breakdown long-distance trip worth my while. And let me see some fan whores in the audience. June 6th, we are doing Roastmasters at The Stand. Then San Francisco, hey, what's up? I'm coming to you uh, in June. June 9th, I'm at Mutiny Cafe and Radio. June 10th, I'm at Spice Monkey Restaurant. Uh, and for more information on those show dates and others, or to stay up to date on where I'll be when I hit San Francisco, just go to manwhorepod.com slash comedy. My, uh, as some of y'all may have been picking up, in tidbits, as I've been explaining on the show, uh, I, for some reason, am a financial dominant. Yeah, taking it back. Or <laughs> that's the true side of gender equality. No, uh, that, that men can be fin doms too. Or maybe I'm just part of the problem. I don't know. A financial dominant is kind of like, kind of just like a, a dom. If, for those of you really into the lifestyle, think of a life dom, you know, someone doing like 24 hour. 24-hour DS rolls. It's kind of like that, but, like, I control her wallet. I control her money. I control her orgasms. I control who she fucks and whens. And uh, if I decide that I'd want, I want some money and she's going to have to get something cheaper for lunch, I can decide that as well. And we did this thing called a cash point meet. And that is when you just tell them to go to a street corner with money and you go and they give you money and you leave. <laughs> oh, life is amazing. Yes, my pay slut was in town for the weekend. I saw it as a perfect opportunity to finally do one of these in person. Typically, if I just want money for whatever reason or if I'm punishing her, then I just send a Venmo request. But this time, I got to, I got to, ooh, 
I got to smell the cash. I told her to meet me on a specific corner, and uh, and she had an envelope just full of cash. Let's just say I told her she had an envelope of about $1,000 in 20s. She meets me on the corner. I just was like, do you have something for me? And she takes out this envelope. And then I reach into the envelope. And I just start, like, going to try to grab a wad indiscriminately, not really counting. I just take a wad of cash out of this envelope, and then I walk away. Now, here, my, my pace slut is a bit of a brat. And she knows it, and she's listening right now, and you'd better know to fucking behave yourself. I can make your favorite things not fun. You know, like, she, she hates lettuce, loves hamburgers. And as a punishment one time, I made her uh, go find a really nice burger place, get whatever hamburger she wants, but she had to add extra lettuce. And she's like, you ruined a great thing. I'm like, I know. Stop acting up. So I reach for this wad of cash, I walk away, and she said something bratty. Uh, something to the effect of, you have no idea how badly I want to hit you right now. I was like, oh, really? And that's how you want to play this? I told her, stop. I walked right back to her, reached straight into that purse, went to the envelope. I said, that cost you another 20 And I just walked away. And it was great. It was a good day. I got to tell you, money, such a turn on. A lot of you know that one of my biggest fantasies is to actually be a whore, to be paid for sexual services. Because then there's like a, I've got a fucked up relationship with money. And to be paid for some sort of sexual service, then you are assigning like a monetary value to my personhood, to my being. Oh, and that is hot. Turning the corner to go meet her, I was like hard as a motherfucker. And I was like, we're not doing anything. I'm not even going to, like, grab her in certain places. Like, that's not what the meat is about. I'm just getting paid. It was dope. <laughs> oh, man, what else did I do for money? This, this one, I, I actually had to do some work for the money. But I appeared in uh, a couple of Daily Mail videos for some articles that they did this past month. You might enjoy them. You might want to check them out. They're pretty funny. Uh, one of them, they were both like these like social experiments where they have men do things that are typically female because, you know, oh, like maybe we can make men empathize with women if we made them do the things women have to do. But instead of empathizing with women more, I just think it's silly that they do this in the first place. Sometimes the argument is like, well, if men had to do walk around in heels, then maybe they would have some empathy for how we dress up for them. And I... I disagree. I think we would come up with the brilliant solution of stop wearing heels. I mean, I, if, if, it was, if men, the typical thing was for men to wear heels, we would just mandate that no more heels. And that's something we can do with all that privilege. It's amazing. Uh, but it was, it was a fun video. So one of them is they had a couple guys, they had a few guys wear heels and walk around New York City to experience that. And I got to tell you all, not only did I look good, but I also nailed it. I didn't fall down once. Ladies, I think y'all have been fucking up the heel walking thing. I think you're supposed to go heel, toe, heel, toe. Everyone's like, yeah, you go toe, heel, toe, heel. I'm like, that's what's making this so difficult. If you, if you want to hear me mansplain walking in heels, you should check out that article. And then uh, the other one is they had the guys use breast pumps. So you'll see me topless and doughy and uncomfortably overweight as this machine pulls on breasts that I really shouldn't have right now. I'll put links in the show notes. Uh, as for the links to those articles and the link to the survey, which will also be in the show notes, I know there was an issue last week that the links weren't working. I looked into it. I think I fixed it for anyone who is has since downloaded that episode, but I will uh, double-check that the links work this time around. Thank you to those who emailed and direct messaged me on Twitter to say that the links were fucked up. Dr. Sarah, I like to call her, uh, she was in town a few months ago when we recorded this. And I thought we would catch up. It's been, you know, years since she's been on the podcast. And since then, there's been new context. Uh, I want to tell you, there's a lot of discussion in this episode about herpes. Because Sarah has herpes. Because I 
with my cold sores have herpes. Just like like 80 plus percent of y'all have listening to this have herpes. It's a topic that's come up several times on the show, and uh, so it's coming up again, this time from a doctor who's got a little bit more information. I didn't dare fact check a doctor. I wouldn't even know how to. So what I am doing is I am including a link to um, the CDC website's page about herpes and the herpes simplex virus. Uh, Look, very simply, you should just inform yourself, not just about herpes, but any STI. A lot of these become way less scary when you've informed yourself. When you've informed yourself on how big or not big of a deal that infection or disease is. When you've informed yourself on how effective condoms are or are not against it. When you've informed yourself on how common or not common a certain thing is. So we talk about disclosure and uh, you know, what's a good stance to have on disclosing. We differ a bit. It's a good conversation. I hope you all enjoy it. Let's get to me with Dr. Sarah while I uh, sit in this rest stop waiting for gas to show up. I can talk. I'm a little hoarse because it's been a good week. Oh, yeah. yeah it has been a, it's been a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your birthday weekend. Was it fun? It was so fun. Um, I actually have been on vacation since like the 7th. So, um, so for like I, I got like a nine day stretch. Um, so I've been doing fun birthday things for like a week. Mm-hmm, including like a little birthday orgy yeah well which well, which it, birthday orgy yeah oh jesus uh <laughs> did you do one back down there so um so we we kicked it off it was um me and my my boyfriend um and a couple that were friends slash sexy with um rented a cabin and um we did like my parents had given me a budget to go buy some art for my birthday so they helped me shop for art and uh, and we like, like wandered adult. around Asheville, like, like a real, adult. real, real art. Yeah, oh, that, the Asheville art scene is like serious. There's ceramics, I, there's painting. I just think that's like the the cornerstone of like an adult's home. It's yeah, the difference between like it's a difference between a Pulp Fiction poster and a like piece of Pulp Fiction art, like yes. a painting. You yes. know? <laughs> yeah, I picked a bunch of like really disturbing, weird looking things, and I'm very happy with them. Oh man. Yeah, I would love to see that at some point. Um, yeah, I can show you some pictures. Yeah, show me after. Yeah. Okay, so wait, how many birthday orgies did you throw? Well, so anyway, so this was uh, there was four of us in this cabin, so I got to be like the the guest of honor, or like the the star of the evening for one night there, and you know we had like other sexy times, um, and so then um, oh, and we had we had uh, me and me. And- um, my boyfriend um, had a threesome with our partner uh, from from home. Like we had this ice storm uh, where where we are, and um, she got snowed in with us or iced in with us or whatever. So how we had convenient! A, we had a convenient. Did y'all plan that out? Did you plan the snowpocalypse? We we did. The, well, we call it the nopocalypse because there actually wasn't any snow this time. Okay. It was just like a quarter inch of ice. Okay. So you couldn't drive, but it was just till like two p.m. the next day when it all you know, warmed up is so much fun. I I forget if you told me that or a listener emailed me recently and said how like, uh, right before any snowpocalypse type thing is about to happen. The Craigslist posts skyrocket couples looking for threesomes and gangbangs and crazy stuff. They're like, well, we're all gonna, we're all not going to work tomorrow. So let's do something nuts. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Well, you know, I guess, I guess we already had our, uh, our, our Uh, unicorn to call. But um, yeah, so so that was the first thing. That was awesome. And then we parted ways and went to Asheville with my other friends. And then after that, now I came here. Um, so I got to, it's kind of been, I have, I have a lot of lovers in New York that I don't get to see. You're a very popular gal. Very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also, you know, far away. So when I, when I come in, it's like kind of a whirlwind of trying to see all the people and do all the things. Um... So I got to see um, a couple who I met at Burning Man in 2013, um, and we are still like really close and kept together and everything. So I hung out and had a sexy night with them. 
Um, and then we had the party last yeah. night that you came to. Gave you some birthday spanks. And I got my birthday spanks. Although some way, uh, I think someone missed you at one point, like hit you in the kidney. Was that? <laughs> that did I was, see that right? That was like an upper hip moment. Yeah, mm. it was. It was somebody wielding a toy that they hadn't played with before. And Everyone it was, be like, careful. Super awkward. When you're spanking, you gotta aim. You gotta. You gotta aim. Maybe yes, take some um, practice whiffs if, if it's a new toy. So pro pro tip if you're if you're doing impact play either with your your hand or a toy you know you want to aim for sort of like more the underbutt region or like the juicy part of the butt like the part of the low back where the butt meets the back that's not a nice yeah. place to be smacked the outsides of the hips don't just heard feel a, super great just heard an ow and I was but like not the good ow it was no. just like a hey yeah it's 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 interesting I you know I I I have safe words with like partners that I play with really hard, but most of the time I just turn around and I'm like they make a Ow! face, <laughs> <laughs> and like they know that wasn't fun, you know. It's it's um it's it's interesting like the the levels of formality that you you are you know Bir- yeah. birthday spanks I don't think require I didn't think required a safety uh, word. How long have you been uh, fooling around with like impact play? Um, hmm, probably like two years maybe okay so like not terribly long maybe a little bit more i mean i've been like spanked before like somebody somebody will do that during you know during another encounter but not like an intentional like spanking session um and and i hadn't played with like impact toys until more recently because i'm because i'm i didn't know maybe how young or old you were when you realized you were kinky because i'm uh, editing an episode with this woman jillian keenan which by now with will have already gone out and she her earliest memories are wanting to be spanked like mm. three years old and having this desire to not knowing it was sexual but knowing that all she wanted was to be spanked and i find that interesting uh people who come into their sexual own at, at very young ages right and i think for for me kink is a lot more related to sex like there are some people who just want to be you know beat up whether they have sex or not mm. or it's like part Sometimes it's part of sexual play and sometimes it's just like some sort of cathartic, like therapeutic experience. And I wouldn't say that that's really my relationship with BDSM, Um, at least not as a bottom Um, or, you know, not not yet. I haven't like really found a, a dom that like takes me to that place i haven't really looked for one i've thought about it mm-hmm. um and then you know interestingly my my current boyfriend is really the first submissive guy that i've dated um or he's like switch but i would say like more with a submissive bend. bend yeah and so he has like really brought out a, a toppy side of me that i have not had in the past and so like I would say it's like sometimes I find like I would do that in a non-sexual way just because I'm happy to like make somebody else happy. Right. Um, but I don't know, like a lot of a lot of my, I guess, kinks or like things that I like to do in bed are really driven by what my partner wants or finds sexy because I get more turned on by like doing you know pleasing them and like either being you know a surface top or a surface yeah. bottom you're where, a pleaser you just want uh, your yeah partner i just to want my happy. partner to be happy and that's what makes me feel sexy and like interestingly sometimes when i run through people who i'm dating it'll be really nice really amazing guys who just want to please me and just want to know what i want and i get really like you're like what do i do what, flus- uh... i get like flustered and like not i'm not like as into that do you pull a Ricky Bobby? Go like I, I don't know what to do with my hands while you're doing that with your hands. <laughs> um, no, but, but some sort of, I guess. Sometimes, or you know, they'll be like, I just, I just want to do whatever you want, and I'm like, um, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Which would be what I want. I'm confused. It, 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 so it's like when you get two pleasers in a room together, it's like a loop. non-starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, At least if you both are takers, you can like compromise on who gets what fight, when. You can fight over it, but right. Uh, but like, there's not. A... <laughs> we'll just look at each other and just shrug and be like, "Let's cuddle." Mm. Like, mm. But that's that's not fun. I like. I, I, yeah. And but then then I wonder, sort of, you know, does that just mean I'm lazy well, and like mm. don't, you know, well, I don't it, like generate my own ideas? Well, yeah, because it's not like physical laziness. You're happy to do the thing, whatever it is. No matter how physically taxing, maybe, but it's just that it's like a mental laziness, possibly. Possibly. But if you, if you like start me off on something, I'll get creative with it. I'm just like, I've never been particularly great at idea generating. Yeah. Um, which makes it hard. Like, 
I also do like art and creative stuff. And sometimes like I'm very good at technically doing the process, but I don't necessarily have like an idea for what to what do. What to paint? Yeah. Well, I can't paint, like, but what, what's your like art? To, of what to make? What What do you make? Um, I do a lot of crafts, so like crafts? Uh, bookbinding so and fiber arts, and man, like I can bind the fuck out of that book. Once I get to know a partner really well, they tend to like kind of figure out or be able to sort of intuit or tell me what it is that I yeah. that I want, and then I'll like get into it. And, and you need happily... a, you need a guy who can tell you what to do in bed and which arts and crafts to do, right? Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all. Have you ever heard of work doming? Yes, I, I I need one. Oh, can you tell me what this is? I, it, it it's come up in my relationship recently, and I'm trying to understand what this request is. I'm not being asked to work, Dom. But it's complicated. Anyways, I, okay, what, okay, what is it though? So it's like I oh I actually am totally suffering from this. So I have a, a super taxing job where I'm supposed to go do work for like ten to sixteen hour days, and then I'm supposed to come home and do more work. Like, theoretically, if I was doing my job right, that's what I would be doing. And it is really fucking hard to motivate to do all that stuff. And so sometimes I wish that somebody would sort of just, like, play mind games with me and be like, I will, you know, reward you with spanking or oral or ice cream or, like, whatever. But you have to, you have to like, do this thing in this amount of time. And then they, like, set an alarm and walk away and come back when the alarm rings. And if I haven't done it, then I get, like, punishment. Yeah, punishment. Like I can reward you with spanks, or I can punish you with spanks. And as a non kinky person myself, I still don't understand the difference. Or it's like <laughs> I can punish you by not giving you spanks until tomorrow. I'm just like I don't know. I feel like if I was the sub, I would play mind games to trick them into giving me the thing I want. They'd be like, I I, I do want spanks, so I'm going to make them think that not that spanking me is actually bad. And I, I'd feel like I try to outsmart my dom. Well, I mean that's that's like you're, then you're a brat. <laughs> and and good doms who like brats know how to like deal with that. So it becomes like this fun play and counterplay kind of kind of game. If you're like doing it right, you can play it that way. Paige goes nuts on brats. Uh, I, I last minute invited her over for a threesome like maybe a month ago. I, I meet up with a woman who I had hooked up with a long time ago. There's like nothing, no chemistry at the drinks. I'm thinking, oh fuck, like we actually can't seem to do this. Because the when we met, it was this weird like scene that was established. Like this, hey, you're coming over. We're doing this thing in this way. There's almost a script to it, and then you're gone, and that's it. So when I tried to actually like go have drinks and get to know them, there's like nothing. She kept sitting there, being like, "When are we going to your place to fuck?" I'm like, "I want. I just want to maybe get to know you. Right. What's wrong with that?" And and then I think, oh, because I know she's kinky. I know she's very submissive, and I know Paige can be like very dommy with certain women. I was like, "Yo, there's this chick." really hot likes to get you know likes to be topped you want to come over and have a threesome and uh they were both down and Paige just broke this woman like and Paige is you know like young she's in her early 20s yeah. this woman's like 30 and she broke her down like she starts being bratty and Paige was not putting up with it and gets by the end of it she uh she's calling Paige princess and you look in her eyes and you can tell like she's gone like there's nothing she in her head the only thing in her head is like this is princess and I do what she says you can like see it she's gone empty yeah, and blank I was awesome. like what what I see and and I think like I definitely enjoy taking people to that to that place like I've gotten I've, I've been able to get that to that place like with Nico which is interesting because it took me a long time to like get experienced enough with like using using toys and like knowing what to do with things and right. like how to you know like go for the underbutt not the kidneys like right. that kind of stuff it was really weird actually though because I've only like I've been experienced with impact play for maybe like two or three years but I've only been experienced with um with being a top for maybe like a year or a year and a half. So that's like a, a very new space for me to inhabit. Yeah. Um and that's since uh, everything, you know, bro so the last time you were on the show, you were I think in the process like I don't even think you had to broken so I, up with the guy so i broke up with my my monogamous guy i had broken up with him and then i went home and we got back together like one more time for another month or two uh -huh. and then it all went to hell right and so since then you have like left you left this really long-term relationship that you moved from 
we'll say one part of the country to a very different part of the country. You moved and you found like a, a, a or, or no, he and moved. he came with me. He right. like moved for me. That's what it was. He moved for you, and uh, and you were like, oh, yeah, it was super awkward. Um, he, you were living in a. I forget if you were living in the tent before, or after you did the podcast, but like you were living in a after. fucking tent in your backyard. I'm like, wait, huh? So so we broke up and he was he was living with me at the time and, and y'all broke up just so if for people who haven't heard because basically you you're polyamorous he's not and that just wasn't going to work if, exactly. if we summed it up. Yeah, that's the that's the best summary. Um and um you know so I was just like well this this really isn't going to work and his response was well, it was kind of like one of those annoying things where people think that poly people are like okay with all sorts of like have no boundaries whatsoever. He's like, yeah, so we'll just like snuggle in the same bed until I'm like ready to move out until I like feel like finding another place. And I was like, um, okay, so I'm not mad at you. You didn't do anything wrong. I understand that like we still love each other, but I want to be broken up, which means you have to move out like now, not like today, but like not like two months from now either, which is what he was proposing. Right. And through whatever stupidity, like I don't, I don't know how I got roped into this, but I felt really bad basically. Yeah. And was like, you can stay. And then I got really fed up with the situation and I had just, I, I went away to um, like a regional burn and I had this great, it was like May in a warm part of the country. And I had like my great tent kit all set up with like a rug and like beautiful lights and this, <laughs> this queen size air mattress and it was just really cush. And so I fucking moved into my tent in our backyard, <laughs> like partly because I just liked it there and partly because I wanted to make him feel bad so he would move out faster. Oh, did it work? Uh huh. Yeah. He how, felt really bad. Uh, how many nights did you have to spend in the backyard? Oh, I lived there for like two, three weeks maybe, but eventually it, it like got him started on finding a place. Oh gosh. I saw those pictures on Facebook. I was like, how much is that really bad? I feel like you would be down to live in a tent. To some I was. Extent. As long as you have Wi-Fi and like power, I feel like you'd be like, yeah, I'll live in a tent full time. So, 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 and I did have Wi-Fi because <laughs> yeah, you're in the, the house and I got to go use the house because yeah. it's my house. So who gives it? Yeah. I'm I had a kitchen. I'm, I'm I surprised you're not in the tent still. It's, it's cold. Cold. It's cold right now. It's cold right now. Yeah. That's a fair. I might move back into the tent later. <laughs> um, it's pretty it's pretty nice. But um I might have like tent dates. That could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Especially uh, if like has like a date with someone else that night, like one of you calls dibs on. He can you, you can just say, Yeah, you have the bed. I want the tent. I'll take the tent. So I gotta say, I gotta find a different arrangement. Fucking on air mattresses is not okay. Is it not? No. Oh no, wait, do tell. I have never I, I don't it's been a while. It, okay. So like the one part of the mattress will end up like getting soggy, so or not soggy, saggy. Soggy, <laughs> saggy. I mean, depending on the type of woman you are, it could get quite <laughs> soggy. I, um, I only, I only infrequently have that problem, but um, no, more, more, more saggy because like you end up fucking air out of it because you're just like banging away at the seal or whatever, and like it just deflates faster than it normally would if you were just sleeping on it. Oh. And and so several times I've ended up like in one corner of the air mattress with it like half deflated and it's just like dreadful and you move around a lot and it's mm. no fun. There's got to be a hack to uh, to improve an air mattress fucking quality. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe I have um, I've been using like a foam mattress pad as a mattress in tents for the last like while because I got tired of the air mattress thing. Okay, it's an upgrade. Um. So but oh yeah, so so moved into the moved into the tent. He felt terrible, and actually, funny story. Somehow, some some of his colleagues at work, like a couple of months ago, like way after the fact, found out about this and started ragging him about the breakup tent. Yeah, they'd be like, "Dude, you let her sleep in a tent? What the fuck's the matter with you?" Yep, yeah, and he's a sweetheart, so he like already felt bad. Oh gosh, um, and you're still friends with him too. Yeah, yeah, we're still friends. But it was it was a total head game because, as you say, I did not mind living in the tent, but I like really wanted him right. to move on. Right. Well, uh, so you know, sometimes I like to have people back on the podcast because maybe something's different happens or uh, there's like a new context. So you know, uh, after actually not just after the show. I mean, I think like immediately after the show. You know, we we were still um, fornicating friends, right? And so the the last time I uh, that we had slept together was the day that my grandma died. (laughs) Did I tell you before or after I came? I don't (laughs) recall. I don't remember. Uh, That was a weird week. That was a weekend that, like, changed me. Uh, (laughs) I... So 
my grandmother was uh, in a coma. She she goes into this coma unexpectedly. I didn't, you know. I mean, she's old woman. She was. Uh, I mean, she was in her like seventies. But so she goes in this coma. Uh, not sure how serious it is. I go to a gangbang that I get invited to because the swinger couple that I had a gangbang with like a year ago. They were like, "We're doing another one. We like you. Come back. Great. Let's do a gangbang." And then uh, then she goes in the coma. Then the gangbang happens. And then we decide to do a podcast. We thought we'd do. So I did an episode with the, the swinger woman and then a second hour with her and the husband. Okay, that was fine. And and I already know that I my grandmother might be dying any day now. Like I get a text saying, could be today, could be tomorrow. We don't know. Uh, end up having a threesome uh, after the podcast by accident. You know, it happens. So then we had plans because you were in town visiting. So for like maybe two weeks, I had this date in my iCal and you had like a play party that night. So the plan was that you were going to come over and I'd like be your warm up fuck for the play parties, yeah. right? It sounds like a good idea. And so that's in my iCal for two weeks. I'm seeing it there. Uh, I wake up that morning and I get a text, grandma's dead. Oh. Okay. So I grab a bus that morning to New Jersey. I have like a breakfast lunch thing with the family. Hang out, but everyone then kind of dissipated. They kind of all went to their places, and I look at my watch. I'm like, "Well, you know, there's a bus, and I can catch that, and then I can get home in time to have sex with Sarah because it's in the iCal and something I have to do." <laughs> and then I did it, and it felt, and it's not none on your part. I just felt so strange having sex while like I was in tears most of the day. Like I, I was like, I'm not supposed to be doing it, but I felt this obligation because of the iCal. And that's so and funny. So, so, <laughs> so, so here's the thing with, with Polly that's very interesting mm-hmm. is especially with our generation of, you know, like I, I just turned 30 on, on, on the ninth, a generation of increasingly flaky people, mm. Because the internet and cell phones, I think, like enable us to be, you know, you used to make plans. And if you weren't exactly right fucking where you said you'd be, you would never see that person because there was no way to, you would have to go home and like answer your messages or like go to a payphone. But now you can always wait for like a a better option. You can like always last minute, a better option could come in. There's like these, this, this thing with options and, and just like also people feeling like it's, fine to cancel at the last minute and whatever and i find that there's just like a very variable expectation and and it varies person by person or group by group of what's acceptable or like what the standard of kind of good behavior like good friend behavior is or good date behavior is and like i i am someone who i tend to be very late and like running around because my life is crazy and and whatever but i I do really try to like respect people's people's time and like value them. But also I tend to be, I think because of that, like not particularly butthurt when, when people are like, Oh, I can't do this or that. Like, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really judge very much. So I almost, I almost wish that you Uh had just said like, Hey, (laughs) my grandmother died and I am sad. Can we like convert? And like, if, if I was like super, bummed about not seeing you i would have said something like hey like why don't we go to the movies yeah. or like have coffee <laughs> or like cuddle and like watch netflix and chill or something instead of like warm up fucking because <laughs> your grandma just died and like jesus like, that's <laughs> terrible so you know i like i try to be an emotionally sensitive person that way and like not i don't know yeah but but then i get weirded out when people are more butt hurt than i am about things i'm like fairly easygoing and it just feels like the way that people should be and then i get confused when people are not i only get i get butt hurt if i can tell someone's like wasting my time if they're constantly flaky they flake for bad reasons but you know i yeah that grandmother is a legitimate reason but in the time i don't even think it was like that i i wasn't feeling an obligation like I have to keep this plan because otherwise it fucks over Sarah. I think it's just a thing where in my mind... You scheduled it. Yeah, and there's a lot of sex I was having at that time. Not that I didn't want to have sex with you, but there was a lot of sex I was scheduling just to have sex or it was in the calendar. And that was when I was like, okay, first let's take a month off. I didn't fuck anyone for about a month. And then it was, okay, then I started making a rule. Like I can only have three like girl nights scheduled in a week, in a yeah. calendar week. 
And that way, like, I'm not scheduling sex all the time, even sex I don't even really want to have. And I was fucking people. I'm like, why am I? I don't really want to fuck this person. And so even or or it would be I'm I'm not in the mood. So with you, it's like I want to fuck Sarah, but like right now I'm not in the mood because Grandma's dead. Right, um, right, right, right. And I and I was having trouble saying no to sexual encounters. So it was like this weird eye opening weekend for me which culminating uh in in coming inside you it was very (laughs) all right right. so glad Um, i could be on the receiving end of like strange overtaxed come (laughs) i I feel so ashamed and embarrassed i feel like i accidentally insult you um i can't (laughs) tell i'm I'm good i'm good okay (laughs) no like like i said like easygoing i i just i think things are hilarious generally yeah so uh that was like the new context (laughs) <laughs> in which to have you on. <laughs> Time for the fan whore appreciation moment brought to you by AAA. Why AAA? Well, because they're, sh- they're bringing me gas while I'm stuck in this rest stop. Yes, I'm still here waiting. Um, this is the part of the show where I like to give a shout out to some special fan whores who support me and the work that I'm doing on Patreon. Uh, longtime favor of the show. Wonderful human being. And it's also a fantastic lay. Shout out to Anna Super Slut. Also shout out to a couple of newer fan whores on Patreon. Richie W., who I went to high school with. I was certainly surprised by your pledge, and I'm super grateful for it. We should talk about this at the reunion. (laughs) And shout out to Sarah C., who's been very active on our super secret Facebook group, the Champagne Room, which is available exclusively to my patrons. Now, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's kind of like a monthly fan club subscription meets Kickstarter. You pledge a certain amount of money per month, and depending on how much money you pledge, you receive various rewards. And rewards include a shout-out on the show, bonus episodes, man podcast condoms, merch, and a whole lot more. Join the club today at patreon.com slash podcast. That's Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash man whore podcast. Now let's get back to me and Sarah. But the other thing, we got into an interesting discussion, and I don't remember when we first started talking about this. Uh, it might have been like maybe your last, like before your last visit up here. So you're a doctor, right? And you, I'm assuming it's clear to talk about the thing we Mentioned? Yeah. Okay. So you told me, I forget how it came up, but you had told me that you had got, been recently diagnosed with uh, herpes, mm-hmm. right? Genital herpes or do yeah, you know which strain like, or it's what? Or? One. Um, but I have it like probably orally also, but like generally is right. what. It's all up. over. It's all over the body. It's all it's over. Just, I've got under my toes too. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> and. And then we had an interesting discussion about a discussion about disclosure and how annoying that can be because because like well certain strains are the okay ones and certain spots are the okay ones but you could get the quote unquote bad one in the okay spot and it's all weird and dumb right and yeah. we, it all comes from we have this weird stigma about herpes in the first place when it's not even a big fucking deal right right, right. agreed okay so then we got into this logic game of well in theory the way the logic played out was that uh, you either have to disclose all strains, all spots, all the time, or none of the time when not having an outbreak. Right. I think, was that what we had kind of agreed I upon? think, well, that's that's like one one way of doing it. Right. It's, it, it, just, it just gets very, very complicated. I think for me, like something like 80, 85% of the population has HSV-1 somewhere. Yeah. Even um, if and if you have it, source. if you have it one place, then you know, like it's it's just you have it. Yeah, because you can make out with someone, and then they could get it, and then they could blow you, and now you got it down there too. So, right, and you can transmit it. It's less common to transmit it if you already have it orally to get it generally as well, but you okay. can have that happen. And it can also just travel, right? Um, I, you know that nobody really knows. No one knows. The, the, the research isn't. Super and I don't great. think people are spending too much money on it because it's herpes. We still have cancer to cure, right? Right. It's like, like this annoying rash that yeah. happens. Um, now HSV two, like only more like twenty percent of the population has that. Um, and so people, my experience with asking people what they what their preferences are about disclosure is they like they want to know if you have HSV two, because if they if they don't have that already, like they can get it and it's like a a bigger deal. Sometimes it's a bigger deal just to like be clean on paper for partners of other partners. Like some polycules have really specific 
rules about sleeping with people who have specific diseases, including in, or like infections, including HSV two. Um, so, you know, that becomes like a thornier issue of not disclosing. Like, I think that in, in following my but, diagnosis, like I would, I would feel bad not telling people. Gotcha. If I had HSV two, like personally, mm-hmm. I would understand if you didn't. But I, I like, I would. I can't with the and the. I understood. I understand that, but it seems like people are like, "Well, if you have HSV one, it's fine," because then you're in the majority. But I don't want to be in a minority. So it's like I feel like if you know, seventy five percent of people had gonorrhea, they'd be. I feel like there'd be a little less of like, "Well, it's just gonorrhea. We all got gonorrhea." But like, be, we set, we try to make this really at this point illogical distinction between HSV one and HSV two, which unless you unless I'm misinformed, it doesn't really matter which one it is you know like people some say i want to know if you have genital herpes then you have to be like well do you mean do i have it genitally or do you mean hsv2 and it's all it's this dumb conversation where it could just be like who gives a fuck right i I think we should just like not give a fuck as much about like herpes i think i think that giving a fuck about outbreaks is important if you have a lot of them you know being on suppressive therapy Mm. is important for probably for you and other people and then you know, I think it's really up to personal decision. I could see it not mattering, but I could also see that if you get HSV one related cold sores and then you start getting, you, you get infected with HSV two and start getting genital problems, like that could be sufficiently annoying for someone that they would prefer to be able to make the choice to avoid that happening. Okay. So then it's like only fair to give them the choice of that happening or not, not happening. Mm-hmm. So like the likelihood that let's say, 85% of people have like cold sores from HSV1. Right. The likelihood of you giving them general rashes recurrently from getting HSV1 generally is much less likely uh-huh. because of the way the transmission works. But HSV2, you could give them and it would be more likely to transfer. So the different strains have different transmission rates? Well, if you already have HSV1 upstairs, you're not as likely to get it downstairs. Right. If but HSV two is like not it does it doesn't that doesn't protect you against HSV two, huh. so it's not that it like inherently has a different transmission rate. It's that it does in that situation. Huh. What if that ca- makes sense. A little bit. I I got confused. So uh. let's let's say you you have oral HSV one. You are and somebody else has HSV one genitally. Right. You are less likely to get that genitally. Okay. Because you have HSV two in your mouth or HSV one in your mouth already, you have like some antibodies, and it, it's just less likely to be given to you genitally because your immune system is already kind of on board with like knowing about that. Right. Um, but if somebody comes in with this other virus, the HSV two, you don't already have any type of you know protection against that. Now, what are we talking? You know, because. When you're not having an outbreak, because obviously if you have an outbreak or if you're feeling a tingle, uh, you should be you know saying something. But I'm talking like when you're not having an outbreak, haven't had one in a while, and you're trying to disclose to somebody, you know, what are we talking transmission rates? Isn't it like 5% or less or something? Right. So it's it's um, like 3% if you're not having an outbreak. And if you're on suppressive therapy, it's like half of that. Yeah. So it's w- 1.5%. Yeah. And, um, and the 3% is so minimal. Now, some people tell me, Billy, well, if I blindfolded you and said you have a 3% chance, you have to cross uh, the street, but you have a 3% chance of getting hit by a car. They'd be like, would you do it? I'd be like, I don't know. It depends. Like, what am I getting at the other side of the street? Right. Am I getting, like, mind-blowing sex with a hottie? Like, may- yeah, maybe I'll take that chance. Also, HS- HSV is not, like, getting hit by a car. Right. But, in, like, that's what equivalent. People, yeah, people yeah, 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 yeah. People will respond to me with that. And I go, like, I don't know. I just don't think it's as big a deal. Yeah. And I think at this point in time, it's personal opinion. Mm. Um, another thing that I want to mention is that there are um, like several different types of tests for, um, for HSV. And I, I didn't come prepared with like my sure. l- list of uh, which ones they, which ones they are. Um, but there are a couple of, there are a couple of different um, ways of testing for it. Some of them are more accurate than others. And so if you do like a screening blood test, for have you been exposed to HSV one or two, even if you don't know that you have outbreaks? Because some people get it once and it never comes back, mm-hmm. but you still could transmit it theoretically to someone else. So when you're doing these blood tests that you can get with STD panels, sometimes they just have false positives, and so you'll think you have HSV when you don't, or they'll have false negatives. I can't tell which happened to me. 
Because this, so, this, this is what happened to me last month is I go, my insurance is about to run out. I get my last round of getting tested. Uh, I did not ask for the herpes test because I was like, well, I already know I have HSV-1. I got told that like seven years ago. I get cold sore about once a year. So I always have an emergency Valtrex prescription, uh, but that's about it. And then I, so I get this phone call, I'm at an open mic, <clears throat> I'm waiting to go on and I go outside and I get my results and say, you tested negative uh, for all STDs, including uh, HSV-1, HSV-2. And I'm like, in my head, I go, I didn't ask to be tested for that, but also why, how am I, I'm negative for that. So I went in to the open mic and then they call my name. I go up, it's like, I just had a very unexpected, uh, I had a doctor tell me something very unexpected, said, you have no STDs. And the audience laughs because they're like, wait, that's a good thing. I'll be like, no, you don't understand because like, I lived the last seven years of my life like I had herpes. Like I, I was like, don't take that away from me. Like, Give me back my herpes, doctor. Like, <laughs> right. Give them back. That's part, that's part of me. <laughs> well, I mean, at this point, what I would do is the next time you have a cold sore, you can get it cultured, and that's way more accurate, and then you'll know. Gotcha. Okay. So, the, the so thing, right now we're split decision. It's one to one, and like who knows? Right. We're looking for the third and final judge. Right. So the thing Chuck to do. Norris. The thing to do here is, I, I, I think that it is important for you to discuss with your partners and yourself mm. in your mind whether you should pursue blood tests for herpes at all, because sometimes they're like in the absence of having symptoms, it's not a very helpful thing unless someone is insisting that like that's a condition of your relationship. Right. It's like just it's not that useful in my mind. It's like if were I to go back, I probably wouldn't do that. Mm. However, what happened to me is Wait, I got wouldn't like do, wouldn't do what wouldn't get blood tests. See, I didn't I didn't get blood. Te- I didn't ask for it, but right, like, right. I just asked for a panel, and I guess they threw it in. No, there. I'm not yeah. saying like you did anything wrong, but oh, yeah. like you know, like for for myself going forward, like I probably won't pursue regular blood testing for HSV two, right? In, unless something weird starts happening. Because you don't want you don't want to go on a roller coaster of emotions of you have it, you don't have it, you don't have it, you don't have it. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Um, and if you do get HSV tested by mistake or like you choose to do it and you're not sure about the results, I would ask what method they used to do the test and then pursue a lab that does not use that method, that uses a different method. Okay. Um, in case there's something inherently like about the method or about the lab that made the test turn false positive or false negative, um, you could get it tested somewhere else. So like, let's say you have sores and you get blood tested and it's negative and you're really confused. Could- you could get retested somewhere else with a different method in a different lab right? to confirm. Which would be important because if it's not herpes, then it's like, what the fuck is it? <laughs> right. And then the other way to confirm it is if you do have sores or symptoms to make sure that you go into the doctor like the day when you have a blister or like an open sore and either they'll like pop the blister and culture it or they just culture the sore with a little like Q-tippy thing. Sure. Um, and that's much more accurate, though sometimes stuff won't grow from it. Isn't that kind of scary though that you can go in for blood? T- are, do other is this just HSV or do other STDs have this testing problem? Because that's kind of freaky. Like you think you go get tested, you think you're fine, but maybe you're not because there's a system that maybe your insurance is like, well, that's cheaper. Let's we're only going to pay for that one rather than the more accurate one. Right. I would say um, that the tests for like gonorrhea, chlamydia, certainly HIV, because that's much higher stakes, right. are much more reliable. Like the HSV seems to be like a tricky area for whatever reason. It seems to come back to the same thing of it's tricky and sci- it, science doesn't really care about it because it's not a big deal. Yeah. Only only we as society seem to make it a bigger deal. I, I've ta- talked to multiple people who said they would rather get more painful, more harmful STDs than herpes. I'm like, Really? That's yeah, that's strange. That's oh strange. yeah, so like the thing you said earlier though about gonorrhea that I wanted to address is like oh. gonorrhea un- unlike herpes, gonorrhea actually causes medical problems. You can get sick like in the hospital like with an abscess on your ovary or like just really bad infection, like all of that stuff from gonorrhea, it can like cause infertility. So like even if 75% of the population have gonorrhea, it still wouldn't be like it would still matter because right. that can really make you ill. Herpes is If it's in your mouth or your genitals, it's like an annoying skin condition. The important thing is like, and this is going to be weird, but fun to know, I guess. Don't get it in your eye. You can go blind. Oh, that I've heard about. That's Um, that's real. er Um, Don't. So, so ladies, gentlemen, no come in the eye if you have a herpes outbreak. Right. Please. Lots of, uh, lots of, uh, anytime I got a cold sore or I guess what I thought was a cold sore, whatever it was, um, 
is I would I would wash my hands compulsively because I did not want to accidentally touch my beautiful blue eyes and then fuck that up. Because I if, honestly, some days I wake up thinking that's all I've got going for me. <laughs> I'm like, huh, I don't know if comedy's gonna work. Maybe I could do eye modeling, <laughs> not the whole face, just right here. Maybe they are <laughs> they are very pretty eyes, very blue. So before you um, got your diagnosis, would you what would be what would your preferences for disclosure have been? Would would you want someone to tell you they have HSV one? Do you want them to tell you it's two? Do you want them to just tell you if it's genitally or not? Like, I I think that if somebody regularly got outbreaks of any kind, I would want to know so I could help them like make sure that they were. properly medicated both properly medicated and also like if i noticed something odd like on their genitals or lips that they hadn't like felt or noticed yet i would want the opportunity to say like hey i'd rather not play today like is that a thing right you know so like if you get outbreaks like you know more than like once a year like personally i would want to know that sure um if you have a positive like a positivity and don't get outbreaks i probably don't care either way but like before getting herpes, I probably would have cared sure more because I didn't really like think about it that much, and I was just like, oh, like of course I want to be told, you know, stuff about my partner's sexual health. But isn't it odd only when we're faced with even just the but, possibility of like well, having something? But here's is the when other we think thing: about that. is like I knowingly slept with numerous people who had HSV one when I knew that. Right. Like they just closed to me, and I was like, okay, cool, moving on. Right. Not everybody is like that. So I guess I would say like it's it's unfortunate. I think the ideal uni- in an ideal universe, there would be full disclosure mm-hmm. about all of those things, but that people wouldn't freak out about it. They would just go, oh, like that's good to know. If only if only we could get that combination. But you know what? Once we start getting those those uh black mirror like things where you could just point your little uh thing at a person and it'll just give the whole thing and you'll know. That would be that would be lovely. Like the dossier, so no one has to like. Yeah, so we don't have to have the awkward conversation as human beings who hate who hate talking to people. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess I have a, a high high tolerance for awkward conversations, and <laughs> also I consider myself a pretty reasonable person. Right. So, you know, that's kind of how it works for me. Is like I want to be told. I don't really care necessarily. Like I, I don't think I would use that as a decision. Of, of whether or not to sleep with someone mm-hmm. but i would still want to know okay so for people listening as a, as both a doctor who has like knowledge that makes you make reasonable decisions right so you're more informed than someone who's gonna freak out who doesn't actually know why they're freaking out and a sex positive kinky slutty person uh what would you give as like a tip or two for disclosure as well as receiving disclosure yeah um so I think for are you talking about specifically around HSV um, um, or just in general? Let's say let's say in general, but if you want to make it herpes centric, as uh, you know, you're welcome yeah. to do that as well. Okay, I don't think I ever really want to make anything herpes centric. That sounds <laughs> awful. Um, so I think for disclosure, it's important to to do it and just be aware that it it is going to be awkward. There's like no universe in which it isn't awkward. But it's important and you kind of just have to go there and do it. And like this sounds, you know, like something your mom would say or whatever. But if the if the person that you're disclosing to or receiving disclosure from is like worth their, you know, worth their salt or like worth your time, they should behave reasonably about it and and offer you understanding and and you know be honest with you Mm. if somebody isn't doing those things that's a red flag to me for somebody who just doesn't know how to handle their shit and i probably don't want to be with them Mm. um and then for receiving disclosure i think it's really important not to shame someone even if what they've disclosed makes you feel either iffy or like a hard no about certain encounters with them i think it's kind and important to stop and think about the words that are about to come out of your mouth. Yeah. Even if somebody's like, I have HIV and you're like, holy shit, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> like <laughs> that is not what you should say. Also it's like, th- think of the face you're making. Right. Be aware yeah. of like how you react. Like being just like blank is okay. Just like try to be neutral and like breathe and, and hear what they've said. And if, you know, if what you need to say is like, Man, I've never encountered this particular situation. You know, I 
I empathize with you and I need a, I need a little while to consider that. That's never what someone wants to hear, but it's better than reacting with you and potentially pushing someone away when you don't have information. Have you ever been uh, in a situation where you, with a potential partner and they disclosed they were HIV positive? No. No. I have not. And that is something that I think that I would have to be like, I need some time. Yeah, let me give let me sleep on it. To go and to go and think about this because that has pretty serious implications. Even though it's a treatable illness and it's not a death sentence, it's still Absolutely. not yeah. curable. The medicines are good but not perfect and the prevention efforts are near perfect for people with with um suppressed viral fully suppressed viral loads, but it's not it's not anywhere near a guarantee. And so I'm definitely, I've thought about that. I'm definitely not a hard no, but I think it would have to be a very special person in a very special circumstance. And I would have to understand that it would limit my ability to have other partners mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it would, you know, I can even think, if you don't have it, you have to disclose that you are with a partner who has it. Right. And I definitely would do that, mm-hmm. you know, under, under any circumstances. So, you know, I, at that point it would be, I can think of like one or two partners that I have that might be okay with that. But unless I just wanted to be with this one person so badly, like I, it would be really hard as a poly person to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's a big thing to think about. So, oh, and to to sum up the to sum up the herpes uh, thing, finally, I would say, in the end, it is a rash, just a rash, unless you get it in your eye. It's <laughs> as someone who's had genital herpes, it sucks and it's really uncomfortable, but it is not like actually the end of the world as someone who's on suppressive therapy. It's not also not the end of the world. Um, as a slutty person, as a slutty person, it it has not been the end of the world. It has, it certainly has caused a couple of like hiccups in my being with, with people or like having weirdness with, with folks I wanted to be with, but it has not ended my slutty sex life in, in any way. And I think, you know, really think about it hard before you get blood tested. Hmm. And if you, the other message is if you get a sore and you think it might be herpes, even a little bit, just go get it cultured because there's otherwise no definitive way to know, even if your blood test is positive or negative, because there's all these false positives and negatives. Like, unless you actually just culture the freaking lesion, you don't really know what it is. Right. So. Well, there y'all go. Now those, you, are, those are my messages. You have your tips, everybody. Thank you for coming back. Thanks for talking about herpes and uh and you're sleeping in a tent my slutty birthday adventures slutty birthday and my dead grandma and your dead grandma love you dorothy <laughs> if you're watching um your grandson's kind of a whore but it happens <laughs> he is but a good one. Oh, thank you sarah uh thanks for coming back why don't you say goodbye to everybody goodbye everybody thanks for having me If you want more information about the herpes simplex virus, uh, I have included a link in the show notes to the CDC's website. I figured that would be the uh, the best authority on it. There's a lot of bloggers out there right now who are writing about their experience with herpes and how uh, and, uh, that are battling herpes stigma. I encourage you all to check them out, except the one who says I am a, uh, quote, proven misogynist. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheBillyPresida. The Instagram is new. So please go uh, go give that a follow. I am posting regularly, albeit uh, unenthusiastically. Join the conversation with your fellow fan whores on the Man Whore Podcast subreddit. There are individual comment threads for every episode. I also post links to articles that I'm quoted in, such as the Daily Mail articles. Or when I appeared uh, as a top 10 sex podcast on Esquire. I also like to post uh, pictures and, and thoughts and things of that nature. For all you Redditors, that's r slash podcast. And again, if we get at least 500 responses to the survey, I will do a fun, sexy giveaway. So even if you don't want to be entered to win the giveaway, go fill out the survey for your fellow fan whore. Because maybe they would like to win a giveaway. It takes uh, maybe 40, 45 seconds Depending on your internet connection, go to manorpod.com slash survey. Next week, I'm very excited. I've got comedian and host of the Risk Storytelling Podcast, Kevin Allison. Talking about super secret gay kink camp. If you didn't know it was a thing, then they were doing a great job until Kevin opened his big gay mouth. Uh, 
Super, super fun episode. You're in for a treat next week. But until then, stay slutty. Oh my God, I want my gas. Where's my gas? I do remember at one point uh, that, you know, he tells me to get up on the bed and straddle her face. And she's like, you know, she's sucking my dick. She's sucking my balls. But she starts, like, kissing my balls. And then she starts working her way down and starts, like, kissing my grundle. And then next thing I know, and honestly, like, really had no preparation for this. Wasn't expecting this. By the way, I also wasn't asked, but hey, no big deal. Uh, Starts tonguing my bung. Starts licking the hole. Starts tossing the salad. I'm sure I was sweaty, uh, but Christ, I hope that's all I was. Uh, I hope there was no, no, no brown juice, no, no ass grease, no, no beige salad dressing.